Welcome to Color Outside the Lines. I'm Krista, and this podcast is for you if you are ready to step out of society's narrative and build a life that is completely aligned to who you are and what you are meant to be doing, and feel safe doing so. Together, we rewrite old programming and create our own stories that guide us toward our most authentic selves. You being you is what the world needs most right now. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Color Outside the Lines. This is Krista and today I am so excited to welcome my special guest, Michael Morris. He is a friend of mine from I don't know how many years ago, a decade ago, and we have kept in touch over the years. And um, Michael, I don't know, Michael, would you call yourself a serial entrepreneur? He, One of the things that inspired me most about him was When I first met him, he was running his own theater school, which he still runs today. And I actually did theater um, in college and high school. And so I was really inspired by him and that he had followed that passion of his. But more recently, he has also been following his passion of painting. So another art that he's really amazing at and um, sharing that with us as kind of like a side hustle. So I don't know, Michael, would you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur or how would you describe yourself? Um, I mean, probably, I I think that's probably pretty accurate. Um, I, my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, He had a lawn mowing business. He had a a window cleaning business. Um, Always wanted to work for himself. So I think part of it comes from that. Um, But, as you know, in our shared uh, working environment, um, I, w- I won't say that was a terrible working environment that we worked at, that the company that we won't name, um, <laughs> but it was sales and yeah. I never wanted to do sales. I didn't like it. Um, and I did all right for a while. And then eventually it was like, no, nope, this just isn't working out. And I, I was kind of forced to quit actually, (laughs) but it actually turned out. Oh yeah. Um, actually I guess it's far enough removed and I'm not talking about specific people or companies, so we can talk about it. Um, yeah, no, my sales numbers were not good. And, um, I, I did fine for a while. In fact, when I first started, it was good, but then they started adding things that you had to do and it was just too much with that. And, um, being, uh, busy with our, our studio as well. And so one day our manager called me and I was like, Hey, I knew it was coming. And he, he was nice enough to say, listen, um, I'm not supposed to do this, but here's, here's a resignation letter. If you want to sign this, um, instead of being fired, cause I had a 401k, um, had a decent amount of money in there. And so I was able to keep that. And, um, and even though it was really scary and our coworker, Amanda, took me out to lunch and we talked and um, it was definitely one of the best things that ever happened because it forced me into doing uh, putting more focus on our studio and and making that work. Um, And I actually didn't have to get another job. We made that pay the bills for the time being. Um, Well, Sort of, I say that. Um, my wife also does uh, art. She does graphic art. And so she has a shop on Etsy that has kind of waned actually as we get busier with our studio. And so um, that is really kind of what was paying the bills. And then our studio is, it was about half and half, I'd say, yeah. or two thirds, one third ish. Um, so anyway, but um, 
And to be honest, if I'm being honest and fair here, she does so much work to, to keep the studio running and, and make it successful. So, um, yes, it is. I, I do a lot there. Um, I direct, I am in charge of all the sets or have been in charge of all the sets in the past year and a half. We actually have, um, a, uh, a friend of one of our students who is a, uh, theater tech student or was at the time now she's theater ed um, has taken it over doing our um, set designs kind of as an intern um, she came to help one time and I was like she's very talented yeah. so I was like hey if you ever want to design a set and she was like really really and so I said yeah I mean I'm more than happy to you know allow you to do that and she was like oh yeah and so she's been doing it ever since and now she's teaching art classes for us and um yeah, I just really value that relationship because she's super talented and super passionate about what she does. And um, she just loves it. Yeah. And um, to be honest, at 41, our energy level, not just overall, but like, you know, when we first started, I was 26. And so um, it. Oh my gosh, uh, I didn't realize you've been doing it for that many years. Yeah, it's been 15 years. Yeah. Um, we're, we're in our 15th year. And so when I first started, we, we were all, you know, I was fresh out of college because I started a little bit late and we were all really excited and all that passion and excitement of newness kept us going, you know, through all the exhausting work that theater is, as you know, you've done it. Um, And I think people, when they go see shows, they don't realize just how much work goes into it. Um, Okay, so like let's let's go let's go back to twenty six year old Michael a little bit. Okay. So what was it in the beginning? So first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story because I think a lot of people have that that story right where and that that was a similar story for me of getting into becoming a coach is and I don't I don't think I've told this story on the podcast even so I'm not going to go into it because I want I would like to tell it later but I had a similar situation where I was basically fired from a job that was completely supporting my family. Um, and I, I, it's not that I didn't have a choice, but it was kind of like, I knew that was the moment, right? I knew it was the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell more of the story later. Um, I think you've hinted at it. Yeah. And so I think that there's a lot of times where when we don't go towards the thing that we're meant to be doing, we sometimes get shoved towards it a little bit, yep. right? Yep. <laughs> So in the beginning, though, you were working full time and you decided to start the studio, right? Right. Correct. Okay. So what was it? Why did you decide to start the studio? Like, what was it that gave you the desire and the like, not even the desire, but like the the feeling of like, we can do this? Um, well, uh, my wife and I met doing theater at a, a similar studio in um, a neighboring city and oh, in Edmond yeah. and um my brother and his wife met there also so we all performed together uh when we were teenagers and so we own it with them and uh both of our wives it was kind of their dream to start a studio together and to be perfectly honest theater means so much to me it actually saved my life um I don't say that flippantly. Um, 
when I first started doing theater, I mean, I did like, um, you know, church plays and musicals and stuff at church on occasion um, when I was younger. But when I first started doing theater, like Broadway musicals and stuff, um, not on Broadway, <laughs> funny enough, the, the academy that we were at was called on Broadway and people got confused when I said that, but <laughs> um, they're like, you did what it on Broadway? I'm like, no. No, anyway, just let them assume it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, um, so that came along when I was 15, and my mom was dying of cancer, and so um, it was, it was something that really uh, made a huge impact on my life. Not just as um, as an outlet and a an ability to be able to tell stories which is really what I am at heart as a storyteller. Um, but, uh, you know, just the community, the community of having, uh, I found my people, you know, um, because at church, I didn't really have friends. I really didn't. Um, I had two good friends growing up and that was it. Um, of course, I had six siblings. So I think that that was um, something that, that made a difference. But to be honest, I was kind of like stuck with my little sisters a lot of times because I was um, I was kind of right there in the middle. I have two younger sisters and four older brothers, and so I wasn't quite right in the middle, but but sort of. And um, and also my interests were different than my older brothers. They did some sports, and I never really cared to do that. So um, so doing this really gave me the community. Um, I was incredibly shy. Doing something like this would never ever, ever have been in my imagination before I was in theater. Yeah. And um, so it, it gave me a lot of confidence, gave me the community I needed to, to survive that traumatic incident. Um, that, well, I said incident, but whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, mm. um, and to be perfectly honest, that's probably the only thing that I considered trauma in my life until recently until I've started doing some of the work that you've been doing and um, deconstructing some of my religious beliefs and um, uh, kind of getting in tune with positive energy and, and different things like that. And so um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was I saying? What was <laughs> no, I, I think you're about? doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, okay. So that's awesome. So you started your, you basically like became an entrepreneur because it was kind of like always in your, in your blood, so to speak. Uh, it was kind of like uh, yeah. always in the back of your mind. Like it was always, you were always watching it happen, but then also like it, it was the reason why you chose like this path is because this was the thing that like affected you so deeply and then now, mm -hmm. like even that story you told just a minute ago of the set designer that you are um, giving the opportunity to work with you, it's like now you're fueling other people's passion by the passion that you had. Yeah, which to me is something that's really important too, because passing on that that gift of giving people, um, believing in people and giving them opportunities to um, learn and thrive in in creative environments is, is something that's really important to me. Um, because if, to be honest, I owe a lot of this to my oldest brother. I probably haven't really told him as much as I should have um, because we've had our issues over the years. But 
Um, he actually was the director at that academy and um, he wasn't the owner, but he talked to the owner and said, listen, um, you know, my siblings need something to do, I think. I don't know exactly what he said, but, um, and so we were able to get a scholarship to do those classes. Um, oh I grew up incredibly poor. And so um, it wasn't something that would have been uh, something that we could do. And so um, I owe a lot of that to him too. Yeah. So, um, and like I said, oh, I was talking about my, um, uh, my mother's death being traumatic. Um, and that was probably the only thing that I really considered trauma until recently. And um, uh, I kind of started recounting different things in my childhood. Um, uh, I've had a few things that were triggering uh, to me over the past couple of years with the pandemic. And um, uh, it, it tried to kind of got me thinking about um, different things that I experienced in my childhood that were really pretty traumatic. Um, I don't want to be a downer, but <laughs> so I don't want to talk about all of them. But one of the things that um, has influenced my um, art as of late, the past like couple months, I'm working on a collection called Moving Out. And I actually haven't talked about this on Instagram, so you probably, I don't think I've said anything about it at all, but um, from the time I was born to the time I was 16, my mom died right before I was 16, just a few weeks before my 16th birthday. Um, I was adding up the different places that we moved. And um, it was at least 10 times that we moved uh, between the time I was born to the time I was 16. We lived with friends. Uh, we lived with grandparents. Um, we um, uh, were evicted twice. Um, and uh, so it was, yeah, it was something that I think I didn't think was normal, but I didn't realize the impact that it had on me until I started kind of processing it. And so what I'm doing with my collection is I'm taking packing materials, cardboard, tape, things like that, and, and incorporating those into these art pieces. And so I'm excited to share that vulnerability with people um, because what I'm trying to do in my art practice is take things that I was ashamed of in my youth, in my childhood, and um, kind of flipping them on their head and, and making it something beautiful and um, hopefully helping others heal as I heal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And, um, you guys go check out Michael's art. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. And then I'll, um, put, put some links in the show notes so you guys can find him on Instagram. I have some of his art as well. Um, have very happily. So I love seeing okay. my little corner. Of my yeah. Painting I was going to like pull it down. It's <laughs> not, it's not in its final place yet. That's why it hangs right there because I'm still, I'm sort of designing some spaces around the art a little bit. So once it's done, I will send you pictures of it. Um, but thank you for sharing that with us. And I'd love to go a little deeper on that if you're cool, like moving in that direction. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I might get a little emotional, but that's okay. That's okay. That's, <laughs> that's what we're here for. Tears are welcome here. So you have recently rediscovered your, your inner painter, if you will, right? Like my understanding yeah. is that you, you used to paint 
and then you stopped for a really long time. And then you have recently started to express yourself again in this way. So, and I, and I believe it's because of some of this work that you've been doing, inner work that you've been doing. Is that right? Yeah, I would say um, as a kid, I did drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a specific time period. I don't I was probably like eight or nine, maybe 10, where I had a, uh, a book that was like a National Geographic um, kind of, um, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it was, some sort of educational type thing, but it had different pictures of like animals. And so I, like on a daily basis, would draw those animals. And um, I got to where I was feeling pretty confident about it. And um, somewhere along the line, I kind of lost interest in that. But I also used to draw like lots of like flowers, leaves, you know, nature type things. And flowers have always been something that has uh, meant a lot to me. As a kid, I would pick flowers for my mom and she had horrible hay fever. And so sometimes I would pick like weeds and things that would make her feel terrible but she graciously would put them in a vase and you know say thank you and um so I think in a lot of ways flowers remind me of my mom which is you know something that's really special to me but I've just always loved nature and um so that's a lot of what I paint um during right before the pandemic actually September before the pandemic is when I started painting. I just needed something that was for me um, that I I just needed to take some time for me, some self-care. Didn't even really know what self-care meant at the time, to be honest. Um, And I just needed some time to do something that I wanted to do, not for a project, for, you know, a show or anything like that. Um, I did do some scenic painting, um, growing up, um, helping on sets and stuff. So, um, but I've never painted like canvases or anything like that. Um, you know, just the general craft projects and stuff like that growing up. But, and so I thought, you know, I just want to try something new. I just, I just want to try it and I'm going to put it out there and see what people think of it. And so you know, they always say, do what you know, write about what you know, paint about what you know, whatever. And so I thought, well, I know musical theater. And so I started with my absolute favorite musical, which is West Side Story. I started with the prologue and just started listening to that and like painting. I picked some colors, some leftover, uh, leftover latex paint and some spray paint that we had, um, that we had been using on sets and because I wasn't sure where this was going, I just grabbed some cardboard that we had and um, I just started kind of moving with the music. Um, Dance has always been a major love of mine. Um, Probably my first love in performing actually. And so I was by myself. (laughs) So I felt like I could just kind of be weird, you know, (laughs) move Uh with the music and, and paint. And once I got done with it, um, I was like, I really like this. I like this enough that like, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to share it with people and, and see if it makes them feel anything. And I got um, some really amazing feedback, um, especially specifically from a musical theater friend who um, has taught in New York. She's performed all over. She was like, I love this. This is beautiful. This is amazing. And so that 
sparked in me a, a love for expressing myself through art. And so um, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. Uh, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, I didn't start it as um, trying to make money on it. Yeah. I just wanted to do it just to express myself and have something for me for fun that helped me kind of, um, it was therapeutic. Um, and so I started doing other musicals and some of those were kind of hit and miss. Um, and, uh, from there I just started kind of doing more abstract work and, um, experimenting and just playing. And so I've, I think come a long way, two and a half years. Um, if you scroll back through my Instagram, you'll see some crap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's better than you think it is, but it's such an amazing, (laughs) I love that example because there's so many entrepreneurs that want to wait until it's perfect. Right. And Mm -hmm. this is such a, this is such an incredible example of you taking something that wasn't even intended to be like, this wasn't going to be your job. This wasn't going to be like, you're not going to, you weren't going to like take, um, what is it called when somebody asks you to create a certain type of painting for them? Commission. Um, commissions. Yeah. You weren't going to take yep. commissions. Like it, it wasn't a thing like that. Right. Like it didn't start out like that. It started out as you needing healing, right. You need yeah. to take care of yourself. And it, I've been, I've been having some conversations like this lately. That's been, that have been really fascinating of like how a lot of us, um, especially today as entrepreneurs, I feel like a lot of what we do is born out of our own healing because something happens where we heal or we figure out a way to, to find healing. And then we want to share it. Right. It's like, Oh, this was so healing for me. Like, I wonder what it would do for you. And so I love that. I love that. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about, because one of the things I hear, especially women, but maybe men also, um, say is that, they can't take time for themselves, right? It's selfish for them to focus on themselves and do something for themselves. And yet we have this like beautiful example of you when you went inward and you focused on yourself and you focused on your healing, like now we all get to benefit from that beautiful gift. I mean, I feel like I really benefit from it. Many of you get to benefit from that beautiful gift. So can you talk a little bit more about that and like maybe some thoughts you had like that in the beginning? Yeah. So it definitely was, uh, born out of that. Um, I, before, um, well, let's see, where should I start? Uh, before that I, um, was just feeling really bogged down and like, um, not that I don't love my work in theater. I do, but it's exhausting. It's, it's a lot of work and it's exhausting. And, um, I think a lot of people don't realize, like I said, how much work it is. And so sometimes the lack of recognition can get a little bit, um, not hurtful necessarily, but just, you know, it, it feels nice to when people, recognize how hard you work. And, um, not that we haven't, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative and say people don't thank us for that. They do. But, um, I was bogged down with that. And then, um, at the time I would say this was shortly after, um, uh, we had adopted our second daughter and 
she um, had this habit of gagging herself and making herself throw up a lot, like a whole lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> like all the time. And so I uh, had gotten into uh, Beachbody and was working out on a regular basis, but it was a real challenge because um, my wife was working during the day doing things for the studio. She does all our graphic design and, and all our emails and all that stuff. And so trying to get in a workout, which was my form of self-care at the time, um, was practically impossible. Um, this was probably, this was probably like a year before that actually. Um, and so she finally stopped that. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> this too shall pass, right? Yeah, um, I think, I think that a lot of parenting is just saying these two shall pass. <laughs> it will be okay. <laughs> It's a phase. It's a, it won't last a weird forever. phase, but it's just a phase. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so anyway, just, just things like that, that, um, you know, were exhausting as, as a parent. Um, and, and so I, I did, I felt like I need something that is just for me, that doesn't have to do for the studio. That's not about my kids. It's not about anybody, but just me doing something for fun, just because I want to. Um, and I felt like I kind of had to fight for that. I think that was more just a mental thing than anything really. Yeah. But I said, I'm going to take this time, um, to do this for myself. And when I fought for that and, and did it, um, it felt empowering to be able to take that time for myself. And so from there on, I mean, most, most of my art is created late at night when the kids are in bed. And so, um, I was okay with that. I set up uh, a little area in our walk-in closet to do it, actually. Um, that ended up being not such a great idea. Because one night I, uh, I shook some paint to get, you know, to get it down to the end of the tube and it flung on the wall and got them in like some shoes and some clothes and stuff. Nothing real major, but I was like, oh, I should probably not be doing this in here anymore. <laughs> ruin our entire wardrobe <laughs> so i set up what you see here in the background if you're watching mm-hmm. um and i put some i painted some cardboard white put it on the wall to protect the wall um i still get a couple of drops on the wall here and there but um we'll paint over it at some point um and so so yeah i just started um doing other things um, and experimenting. I like to upcycle things. I like, I like the, the idea of taking something that others would consider trash, like cardboard chip bags. Um, I like to upcycle those things and turn them into something beautiful. I recently took some of the, my chip bag work to, um, I call them my hidden gems. I took them to a few different boutiques and furniture stores and they, they were pretty impressed with them. And I actually came home artless because two of them are at a boutique on a uh, consignment. So hopefully that goes well. Um, and I'm going to take one, uh, another one to them. So that's amazing. Yeah. And there's, did I answer your question at all? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Is that fine? <laughs> I feel like sometimes I just yammer because that's just me. <laughs> hopefully I answered your question. Okay. So I, I'm sure you did. I don't remember the question. <laughs> Ignore this part if you want to fast forward through this part, you guys. Um, okay, so 
Uh, okay. So you, your journey went from like, you really needed this, this outlet. And I think, you know, as parents, I love that you said, like, I had to fight for that time. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right. I think a lot of times it it's more in our heads than anything, but that feeling of like, we, I feel like as parents, it's so easy for so many years to deprioritize ourselves. Is that a word to put ourselves last and to not really pay attention to the fact that like, we're slowly, slowly, slowly getting burnout. Right. And then, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not slowly and losing ourselves. Yeah. And losing, losing our ourselves. Yeah. Mm. So, so what about this helped you to find yourself again? Because I know you also just recently went to your first audition that you've been to in a long time, right? Yes. Okay. So I don't think I, I don't know if I talked how much I talked to you about this. I don't remember what I said. Um, yes, I did. Um, I haven't performed more than a couple little tiny bit parts that I filled in with our students, um, over the past 15 years, I haven't performed a role on anyone else's stage in 15 years. I haven't auditioned for anything professional in 20 years, um, which makes me feel so old to say 20 years. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's fine. I don't feel old, actually. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to audition for this show. Uh, it's a, it's the premiere uh, professional theater in our area, Lyric Theater. And um, I auditioned for them when I was in my teens. And I was terrified. Uh, that was probably a terrible audition. I don't know. Um, and uh, so I think that uh, having having auditioned for them when I was a teenager and nervous and didn't really have all that much training um, made it nerve-wracking to go and audition but it worked out to where this show would be uh in a rehearsal period and a performance period that i could make work with my schedule and um i said i'm gonna go do it when auditioned and it went as well as i could possibly um imagine it to go honestly i went in there i felt i felt calm actually i was more nervous signing up for the audition than I was doing the actual audition. Um, the accompanist was one I had worked with in college. So that was kind of nice, even though when I first got to know her in college, she terrified me. <laughs> she was <laughs> so intense and she's still intense. I, I talked to some of my students who have worked with her in college who have gone on to college and uh, they're like, yeah, she's terrifying. I'm like, eh, yeah, not really as much, yeah. you know, and uh so the artistic director who was there at the audition said now do you do you run this academy and I said yes and he said well your students are great they're really wonderful um and so that was a really good compliment and made me feel good um regardless of how my audition went or or you know whether I got a callback or not I did not get a callback um which I really thought it was yeah I really thought I was prepared to deal with and yeah. it ended up being uh, particularly triggering for me. Um, I think because I thought, as I started kind of, you know, thinking it over in my mind, I was like, well, maybe I might not give it, you know, I had to, I had to really, it, the stars aligned uh, for this to, you know, possibly be an option for me to, to perform in this show. And I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have my heart set on any role or anything. I just 
was hoping to just be in a show. And, um, and so when I started thinking about it, I was like, this may never happen again. Uh, this may be my only shot. This may be my only chance. You know, I'm 41. I'm getting too old to do this stuff. And um, it, the more I thought about it, the more I started getting upset about it. And like, um, and I think it triggered feelings of uh, just not being enough and not, not um, being talented enough, not being uh, worthy enough because of, you know, the way I grew up with in poverty and um, feeling like I had to kind of hide that honestly, because we, we went to a wealthy church. Um, there were, there were people of all different uh, backgrounds there at that church, but for the most part, it was a very wealthy church. And so um, being surrounded by all these people with money, not, they weren't like filthy rich or anything, but they lived in nice houses and, and we were, you know, barely scraping by. Yeah. So it felt like I had to hide that part of myself um, and pretend to be something other than I was, you know, I mean, not that, not that your socioeconomic status defines who you are, but uh, it just felt like as a kid, it was like, you know, you had to pretend um, and kind of act like you knew things that were going on on cable TV because you didn't have cable TV because that was expensive back then, you know? Yeah. Um, you, and, and if you had a, a landline in your room, then you were, you know, you were really cool, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you had, you had money. And so um, I think it just triggered a lot of that. Uh, and after processing it and honestly crying, um, yeah. I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. This is not who you are. This, this, this audition does not define you. And not only that, but like the audition went well. Yeah. <laughs> like, just it's okay. I, cause I tell my students this, you know, like the only thing you can wish for in an audition is to go in there and feel like you did your best. And that's exactly how I felt when I left. But then I started, you know, thinking about it and, you know, processing all this apparently unresolved emotion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it's so good though, because I feel like, and I tell people this a lot of times, I tell my clients this a lot of times, right? It's really awesome when we're met with the same situation. And so the fact that you, you know, you can remember that you auditioned as a teenager and then now you went back to the same place and auditioned again and Mm. like to see your growth from then to now, but then also to like get to experience that vulnerability again, right? Because you haven't auditioned in so long. And so reminding yourself like what your students feel like and like the support that you're giving them and like what it, you know, what it means when they, you know, I mean, I was told when I was in theater that you have to go to, for every 10 auditions, you might get one. And so it's like, you think about how many, how many times you have to hear no. And this Mm -hmm. is like, not just theater, right? Like this is, this is everything, every entrepreneur that's listening to this, right? Every time that you have to hear no, like it can trigger that stuff in us, right? Like it can trigger that, that inner child and that little kid saying like, oh my gosh, I'm being so rejected right now. Like I'm, I'm going to be abandoned and then Mm -hmm. my family's not going to be able to eat and then I'm going to die. Right. And like, it goes to that place. And so I love that you were able to actually have this experience and be able to process it in a different way than maybe you would have 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think, 
Um, well, yeah, in a way, and in a, in a, and in another way, not. It was almost kind of the same, and and but, well, yeah. I mean, in the in the long run, yes, processing it in a different way after I got over <laughs> the triggering effect, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and and could step back and see it for what it was, you know. Um, and it's like you said, we tell our students all this stuff, like we we say all this stuff, and we know it, but then when it comes down to it, it's like. Crap, I still have, you know, things that I have to deal with and I have to still come to terms with it and remember what I'm telling other people, you know. Um, and and sometimes it's just it doesn't work out the way you want it to. Um, I talked to one of my uh, alumni who teaches for us now and she went and auditioned and she actually got called back for the lead character. And I said, you know. I think you stand a chance. Um, and she's like, well, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't see why not, you know, you've worked for them before. And I know all these things, like, you know, they have hundreds of people auditioned for them. Yeah. Um, they have people that they worked with before. Maybe those roles that might've been available to me, they already had somebody in mind for them. It's just, there are just so many different factors into casting a show. I mean, I know this and it still affected me. Um, we just had auditions for our, um, our spring musical and we have uh, three uh, junior casts, two senior casts, and we were also casting our first uh, theater for young audience this show. And so we auditioned, we, we watched over 200 auditions um, wow. and cast like 175, 180, something like that, people. And knowing that we were doing Wizard of Oz, knowing that there are, there are girls who are going to have their heart broken because they're not going to be playing Dorothy, you know. Yeah. Um, knowing that there are people for our theater for young audiences show who auditioned who aren't going to get cast at all because that's a show that, you know, only has a certain amount of characters and, um, we, it doesn't have an ensemble and, and things like that. And um, it's our first show to, to put out there as a, a really polished production to, to serve up, to help um, uh, inspire young kids. And so I know all these things, but knowing and doing are two different things. That's what I tell my kids, like knowing and doing are two different things. You can know, you know, what you're supposed to do, but if you don't do it, then, what good is knowing it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to realize, you know, it doesn't matter. And I think it's such a great example to have you say this, like you've been in this game, like you've been in the theater game, you've been in the artistic, putting yourself out there as an artist game. You've been in the entrepreneur game for a long time, right? Almost, mm -hmm. almost yeah. well, over two decades for theater and then almost two decades for being an entrepreneur. And yet despite all of that, all of your experience, like you have so many things of like so many positive experiences in your past. Right. And mm -hmm. yet you can still get triggered 
And I think it's so important for us to remember that like, just because we like reach a certain level or just because we hit a certain milestone or just because we've done a certain thing, it doesn't mean that all of, all of the things that trigger us, all of the things that mm. we're working on healing, all of the things that are going on inside of us, it doesn't necessarily mean that those things are just gone. Just because I'm just because I make a million dollars doesn't suddenly mean all of my money things are gone. Right. It's probably just going to amplify them because usually more money just amplifies whatever's already going on. And so, and so I think it's such an amazing example to have you give us that example of saying like, even as a seasoned theater thespian, a a seasoned actor, and Mm. even as a seasoned teacher and a seasoned entrepreneur, like you still had this moment. And I think it's amazing for our, this audience to hear that and to hear that, like, you know what, like if you are out there and you're like struggling right now, or you're being triggered by something or you're working through something, but you're still putting yourself out there and you're still doing the thing and you're still following your passions and you're following your heart and you're taking care of yourself. You're focusing on ways to take care of yourself. Like it's okay. It's okay to be triggered. It's okay to have that stuff come up. Um, because we're, the, the inner work that we're doing, the game that we're here to play is lifelong, right? We're not going to yep. heal this all. And I mean, even you have started your healing journey. You said a couple of years ago, same with me, mine started just before the pandemic as well. So there must've been some huge energy shift that we all knew this was about to happen. <laughs> we yeah. all started doing all this healing work. Um, but that's, you know, even though like we've been on this path and then I have, you know, experience with teachers who have helped me along this path and they've been on it much longer. And yet they still, they still have days. They, it's still hard. Sometimes it's still, they're still triggered. Their nervous system still gets dysregulated, right? Yesterday I've, I work so, so much on nervous system regulation, right. And regulating my nervous system and like not reacting just like what you said, right. Like not being triggered by things. And yesterday I had this opportunity come up that I'm thinking about doing for my business and my nervous system just like was basically like shot to hell. I mean, it was just like, it went crazy, you know, I can relate. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think it's, I think what's important is to remember that what we're doing here is not solving all the problems it's having the tools so when the problems come we know what to do this time right so it's like you had the trigger and the thing happened and and you got upset about this and yet you had the tools to help you move forward instead of making this something right yeah yeah i think just i think knowledge um, more than anything, because I didn't really do anything specific as far as like meditate or anything like that. Yeah. But um, but just kind of reminding myself of this is not this not getting this callback doesn't define you or anything about you even. Yeah. Um, it, it it all it means is they're not you know you're not what they're looking for, and that's okay. I tell. I tell myself and I tell others, art is for everyone. Your art is not for everyone. Yes. When you make something and put it out there in the world, somebody's going to connect with it. If you put yourself into it and you're honest and vulnerable with making that art, that's when 
And I think that's why my first piece had so, such good feedback is because I was, I was putting it all out there because I was by yeah. myself and I was, you know, just feeling it. And then after that, for a while, I was creating things on a daily basis to practice, which was great. And I highly recommend that. But some of those experiments that I did, um, different techniques that I tried just were kind of a miss. They, they weren't, they weren't pretty to look at, yeah. <laughs> but it, all that, all that work is important to, with, with doing creative things, experimenting and saying, what if, um, is so important. Um, and I think the same thing applies to, um, any business is saying, what if we tried this? What if we tried that? Um, sometimes a lot of times things in my head don't work out on paper or on canvas or on stage the way that I imagine them to, but you have to try or else you'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much in the trying, right? There's so much in the, like, as you were practicing and doing all these things, right. Mm -hmm. You were, you were learning your style, right. But if yeah. you, if you had just said, well, this is my style, how could you have ever known? Because you never painted before, right? Mm -hmm. Not in this way. And yeah. it's the same, like I have a similar journey too with becoming a coach. You know, I actually wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a, basically like a nutrition coach in the beginning. And it took like trial and error of a lot of things to try and figure out like, no, this is, this is what I actually want to focus on. This is what I actually want to help people with, you know? And, mm -hmm. but if I hadn't just started, which I don't love people, I don't love the whole, like, start before you're ready. I think I did a whole reel about that because, mm -hmm. because of the nervous system dysregulation, right? I think sometimes when people start before they're ready, then they freak themselves out and they quit. Right. Yep. But I can if, attest to that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an experience with that? Um, I just think a lot of things, there are a lot of things that I have uh, started. And when I start it and I put it out there, it's like, there's this sense of expectation from people. If yeah. I put something out there, um, I think that's why it was good for me to just start with art as just, you know, doing something that I, I wanted to do for myself. And if it, if it, made somebody feel something awesome amazing if it didn't that was okay i was still going to keep doing it because it made me feel great um so uh i think that was good but like anytime it's like oh i'm going to try to do this to to uh make something that a specific audience needs um and and i know this works for certain things but i think a lot of times with creative things um specifically visual art putting something out there to please someone else is not how it works. You have to, you have to embrace it and, and do it as an extension of who you are and, and telling your story and being vulnerable. And then somebody's going to connect with it because if it's just to please someone else, then you're trying to get inside their head and, um, I think as we all know, it's not easy to get inside people's head. They keep it pretty guarded, right? <laughs> and so if you're putting out your the things that are inside your head and inside your heart, then other people are going to be attracted to that and and find beauty in that and want to connect with it. Yeah, I, I totally know, agree. I kind of threw you off track. You were talking about something else. Sorry. No, you're totally fine. There's like actually an alarm. Our tornado alarms are going off right now. And so I was like trying oh, to not interrupt you 
with the tornado. It's noon. It's noon in the South. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's noon in the South. Um, I think that, yeah. And I, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that is so true. And I think a lot of times we're taught as entrepreneurs, right. To do this market research, right. And put, put things out there that people want because it'll make it easier to sell it. It'll make it easier for people to buy it. And I think that, you just hit the nail on the head with that because I think that a lot of times when we do that, we lose the X factor, which is ourselves, right? And we yeah. lose our uniqueness to bring like whatever the thing is, right? You're not the first painter that ever existed in the world, right? Mm -hmm. But you bring something to your art that nobody else can bring. And even if your art maybe looks similar to somebody else's or has the same feel or whatever, there's an energy that you bring that like when your piece is in somebody's home, it's a different energy than any other piece that's going to be in their home. And I believe this so much about like our stuff and the, the things that we surround ourselves with, which I don't know if you know this or not, but I made this commitment to myself that I was going to start surrounding myself with things that brought me joy. This was a few months ago. And I was going to mm -hmm. start just like anything that like, even if I was just like, oh, you know, just didn't like it a little bit or whatever, I was going to get rid of it. And then I was going to only bring things into my home that like I could really be excited about. Right. And that's why yeah. I bought the three pieces that I bought from you, because Aww. I knew that like every time I saw them, I would like feel that energy and they were so beautiful and the colors were amazing and the, and they were from you. And so it just like made me know that like, that was going to be a really special thing to have in my home all the time. And so I really believe that. And I believe that's true for whatever we're creating, right? Whether it's courses or coaching or art or theater or a product or anything. I think that that piece is so, so valuable. And a lot of times we lose it because we're trying to, as you said, please other people. And we're looking for like that outside validation all the time that people are happy with what we're doing. And most of the time, the most innovative things, people aren't happy with them in the beginning, right? It's like people yeah. resist change and they resist Absolutely. in the beginning. Yep. So. That's so true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that... Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> That's okay. No worries. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap this up here. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Um, we really covered some amazing points today. You know, one of them was that the, like kind of the vi vitalness, vital, how vital um, self-care is and how self-care can lead to a healing that that basically trickles out to everybody around you and like that yeah. healing and that self-care is not actually selfish, but it's yes. actually a thing that That's what affects I was say, everyone actually. around you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Cause I think, I think we, we grew up in the church and um, yeah. I don't know how much you talk about that, but um, <laughs> you go ahead. Whatever you want to say. I've been deconstructing a lot of, uh, a lot of those beliefs and, and realizing that I was taught that, you know, um, putting myself last was uh, admirable and, and yeah. not only that, just like moral, you know, mm -hmm. and I learned somewhere along the way uh, with all these podcasts that I'm listening to and books that I'm reading and things and, and just seeing the evidence from uh, doing something 
specifically for myself um, to to bring myself happiness um, is that I was a nicer person. I had more patience. I if if you it's just like if you're in an airplane crash, you know they say put the mask on yourself first. You can help the people around you, your kids, and whoever else. Like you're no good to anyone if if you aren't taken care of. And it's honestly, it's biblical. Um, uh, I won't get into religion, but it is biblical. It's, it's um, ah. you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you're not loving yourself, then you can't love your neighbor, period. Yes. It's just, you can't. Yes, I love that. And there's so many like, so there's so many of you out there that became entrepreneurs as a way to love other people right? As a way to help other people and be in service mm-hmm. to other people, right? The people that I attract into my audience are heart-centered, service-based, like their goal is to serve others. And a lot of times, just what you said, it can it can feel like, well, I should be putting myself last and others first, right? And so I love this example because what we've learned today from Michael is that by putting yourself first, you embody all the things that you want to be, right? All the the service and the kindness and the patience and the love, you're able to embody all of those things. So that's your first lesson from our talk today is self-care is the way that you're going to heal yourself so that you can ultimately offer that healing to the world. And then the other thing is just reminding you that to not take your uniqueness out of your, whatever you're doing, right? Your art, your sales, your marketing, your coaching, whatever it is that you're doing, like you're, you are the X factor. And it's so, so important, which goes back to our self-care piece, right? Because when you're treating yourself with kindness and with love, you're going to get to know yourself on a much deeper level, just like Michael showed us in his example of, I, I just needed to do something for myself. And then he sort of rediscovered himself over time as he was doing this. And then he was able to really bring this amazing, beautiful gift to the world in a really unique way that no one else can do except for him. And so whoever is listening to this, I want you to think about how that applies to your business and how that applies to you as an entrepreneur, Um, that you are the most important part of your business and you are the X factor and your uniqueness and your innovation is what is going to make your business the most successful. Okay. Those are my closing thoughts. Michael, do you have any other thoughts that you want to leave us with? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So those are all amazing um points um one thing that i i think i lost track on uh a little while ago what i was going to mention is um for me um when i first started making art like i said i was using leftover latex paint from sets and spray paint and cardboard so i think being resourceful and pulling the things that i had because i was just doing something i didn't i wasn't gonna invest a bunch of money in this um right off the bat because i didn't know if i would like this or or whatever and also i wasn't doing it to like make money um and along the way i learned that um i, I started kind of questioning myself for a little while like oh i need to go get canvases now because I, I really enjoy this let me go put it on canvas oh i should probably do acrylic paint because because using latex paint is not something that people do because that's not 
and and I started kind of focusing on all these rules of art, and then I realized, yeah, rules don't matter. <laughs> like, d- screw the rules. Like, make your own rules. It's okay. And I think that growing up um, in a, I wouldn't say super oppressive religious environment, but but definitely like anytime you grow up in a religious environment, I think um, or where I live at least, um, uh, there are lots of rules, you know, and you feel like, Oh, I have to follow the rules, whether it be like society's rules or the church's rules or, um, just things that you feel are, you know, standard rules that you must follow. Like, and I think that's, that's where I started to kind of break out of, uh, uh, the muck of, of, kind of where I got to it's weird because I started I started off really great and then kind of slid into these like oh I must do this and this and and um, I can experiment with the way I put paint on canvas but I have to put acrylic paint on canvas it it can't be anything else right right and so when I started thinking what else can I use and this is this is part of what I love when I create things for for set designs is what can I use and make beautiful things with, with what you have. Um, so anyway, I think screw the rules, make your own rules. Rules don't matter. <laughs> that's what we're all about here on this podcast is screw <laughs> the rules and make your own yes. rules. So perfect ending words. Um, I love that so much. Uh, okay. So Michael, where can everyone find you and connect with you? Um, so I am on Instagram. I don't have a website yet for my art. I really want to. Um, you, don't need, you don't need a website. I know. I the rules. But I think, I think uh, a lot of times it helps. Um, so eventually that's coming. I'm getting ready to do a festival. Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Michael uh, uh, D underscore art, I think. I just okay, I'll put it in the it. show notes just in case. <laughs> I just changed it, but I'm Michael Morris. Uh, you should be able to find me under Michael Morris art. Um, but yeah, that's where I post most of my stuff. And then I also have a, um, a Facebook group called creative grit, um, that encourages, uh, artists to hold on to that create creative spirit throughout your life, throughout, um, raising kids and, and, you know, having another career. I think it's so important to just hold on to creativity and, and, do those things that you always enjoyed doing as a child. Um, you know, cause all, all children are born creative and, um, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, we lose that creative spirit because we listen to all the rules. Cause we start trying to follow the rules, right? Yep. We start that. And that's how this whole podcast started. The very first, the trailer talks about my son learning to color in the lines. And I was yes. devastated, right? Because I was like, color yep. the way you want to color. Yes. Yes. So That's why with, I love your podcast so much. Thank you. <laughs> so with that, you guys, thank you so much for joining us. I will put everything in the show notes so that you can connect with Michael. Um, if you loved this podcast, then please hit subscribe so that you can follow along and continue on this journey where we are screwing the rules, making our own rules and coloring outside the lines. So until next time, this has been Krista and Michael telling you that you are so powerful and giving you permission to color outside the lines.